0: Welcome to the DigiJazz podcast, today with a special edition for the students of the Master in Sport Management at the Johan Cruyff Institute. Today we're going to talk about digital trends and future. I'm your host, Jesse, a digital jack of all trades. Digital is everywhere, so let's dive into the digital marketing trends and predictions and their possible impact on the sports industry. Today I'm joined by online marketer Martin Fink, Hello. owner of Fun Selfie. Hi, Maarten. Hi. Hi. So, Van Selfie is an agency that focuses on the combination of online marketing and video to increase brand perception and consequently sales, of course. Uh, so, welcome, Maarten. Happy to have you here. Uh, so, to tune into the digital marketing trends of this moment. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and Van Selfie before we hit uh, off.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, nice to be here. Uh, with Van Selfie, we try to uh, make sustainable business more visible and we would like people to. Uh, choose more sustainable but uh, in order to make that decision they n- need to know what's out there so that's where this one selfie all about and we make movies um, we film we do live streaming and a lot of online marketing to make those projects and good uh, businesses uh, visible
0: great and One question, did you watch any sports games in the past few uh, weeks?
1: Yeah, we have the football now on. So uh, I watched a lot of the Netherlands and uh, Portugal last night. So uh, I'm prepared.
0: Nice, nice. And where do you watch like the 2020 uh, UEFA European Championship?
1: Uh, I watch them at home. (laughs) I have this little uh, small theater with the surround sound.
0: So that's uh, regular broadcasting or do you do it online?
1: Yeah, it's uh, regular broadcasting, uh, just uh, television, uh, uh, NPO.
0: Because, yeah, as you probably would have noticed, like a lot of the sports industry is globalizing and technology giving in a big push, and especially digital platforms now give uh, some sort of 24-7 performance of sports. And content is created every day, fans are tuned in to loyal ambassadors, uh, and this often leads also to new uh, online revenue models in sports.
1: Yeah, then maybe I'm a little bit classic. Yeah, I, I, I thought about watching it uh, also online, but then I heard the news that there was a 30-second delay and you could hear your neighbor's cheer. Fair enough. So then I tuned in uh, to the traditional TV, but uh, I like the possibilities that digital uh, gives us.
0: Yeah, that, that's so true because I was tuning in online and outside my neighbors were watching the game and then I heard them uh, <laughs> cheer and then and 30 seconds after I saw the goal. It was like so annoying. Did you have
1: some doubt which of the two have scored? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So we're starting off with a little introduction into the play field of sports in digital marketing. So this digital era is mainly based on gathering, bol- building and implementing data to continue engagement within the sports industry. So also for sponsors in sport marketing, there's like an entire new dimension that they can tap into. Yeah, for sure. With intelligent fan platforms uh, to push uh, services and products. But however, uh, in my opinion, digital marketing is not just about selling, but also building relationships. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe it's more important in in the first context uh, it's more about getting a relationship and get people to trust you, and then the selling part comes later because you first have to be on the on the same level. Uh, totally in my agree. opinion,
0: yeah, totally agree. Yeah, you see also that a lot of sponsors want to become part of the storytelling also of clubs and org- sports industry and organizations. Uh, yeah. To I think to enhance their own branding strategy.
1: Yeah, that's so important, and with sports, it's. Uh, a nice opportunity to uh, embed with great things that happen like teams that win or um, uh, performance at being achieved new records for example if you can hook on with your brand it's awesome
0: yeah exactly exactly yeah those hooks are really really on- the online t- touch points as you would say right yeah but interesting enough is that you see that a lot of uh, sport clubs and organizations of businesses have like an uh, feeling of opposition towards digital phenomena or uh, digital ecosystems in that way, as it is this new, it offer requires like an entire new IT infrastructure or a DIP, yeah, it's so unknown. We, yeah, exactly.
1: And there's so much possibilities. Eh? That's that's maybe uh, a thing that for a lot of people is why they hold back because they don't know where to start.
0: Yeah, exactly. And how to gather data. Uh, they don't have the, the, the right tool set in place to get it or the, the right digital-minded people like yourself.
1: Yeah, or the knowledge to handle the data.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I, I believe that a lot of like time, money, and the right people are not always at hand for even like smaller sport clubs. But uh, And you cannot forget the aging, aging workforce and society where uh, there is no digital fluency at, at hand as well. So maybe there's also even like an unwillingness to change that behavior.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And uh, yeah, that's a major challenge and a major job for the new uh, upcoming uh, online marketeers and sport marketeers.
0: Yeah, but I think if you implement it well and you have that shift towards like digital data and agile, hopefully digital marketing, it can offer a lot of opportunities for sports organizations and they can really capitalize and maybe even emerge as a smaller club when they have that in place.
1: Yeah, for sure, because the possibilities also for smaller businesses are becoming better and better eh? with, with uh, smart tools you can use. And it's not only for the really big corporates anymore.
0: Yeah, couldn't have said it better, exactly, <laughs> right? I think even if you use a little bit of digital growth hacking strategies, you can do a lot, whereas you wouldn't have, or you wouldn't be able to do that before in yeah. traditional media.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: So Mart, can you imagine that FIFA, like the big FIFA marketing division, did not even have a digital marketing department up until two thousand and eighteen?
1: No, that's serious.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. So their marketing division uh, decided only then to look more into the digital side of sponsorships, but also media right distribution, and and even then for for opportunities in social media. So only three years ago, they started building digital relationships to further uh, build our brand, so that's insane, right?
1: That's crazy. Maybe it says something about the organization with the older people and stuff, no offense, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. But
1: That's a lot of difference when you look at, for example, Barcelona, where they developed a chatbot to uh, engage with fans. Maybe there are some younger people working at the Barcelona that introduced this and got a budget to develop it.
0: So if you haven't yet, guys, if you have a sports club or organization, don't just start doing digital, but also become digital and dare to take the next step into the future with these trends that we're going to discuss today. So a lot of times as online marketers, we're being posed the question, so what about big data and online marketing research? And big data, well, as a definition, it's like high volume, high velocity uh, uh, assets that demand like a cost-effective and innovative forms of information processing, or you just talked about that you need to have in place uh, to have bigger insights that impact decision making and uh, process automation as well. In other words, like a lot of big data comes from uh, the trace that we all circulate online, I think. But yeah how do you what how do you look at big data now?
1: yeah, for me, big data is is uh, a phrase that come up, but it, it when you look at it closer by, it isn't something totally new eh? because we use analytics for years uh, since the decades. beginning of online marketing. so it's, it's yeah, it's becoming more and more. Eh? you have more factors, uh, you have more combinations you can make. So the processing of the data is becoming uh, bigger, but yeah, it's not new. And a lot of people uh, use the phrase like, oh, this is new and we're going to use it now. But no, we use it for a long time. Um, and it's so important to test, to improve, to see how people react, if you're going the right way the with right your content, pod? if you have the the right story that people uh, relate to.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's mandatory, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so you have to use it and it's in everything. So if you're going to use, for example, social media marketing or if you're going to use um, uh, dark social or stuff, you use it any, any way. So you can't stay behind it as a as a marketer.
0: No, I, 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 I think that's so true and very well formulated. I think it's... The reason or, or the, the essentials that you need to have to know your audience when doing online marketing. Yeah. And all the information you have and the more information, like you said, you have with big data, the more you'll be able to uh, personalize messages or increase your targeting. But without it, without data or big data in, in, those, uh, high, in that high capacity, uh, yeah, it's, it's like walking in the dark.
1: Yeah. And and, and I also wonder uh, how you see certain things because I'll uh, use data and analytics to see how uh, a campaign is performing. But do you use data uh, in advantage of making a campaign or creating content?
0: Definitely, definitely. I, I use data to review co- a lot of content or uh, see where the gaps are. Uh, in terms like you're, you're, you're very experienced in uh, SAO.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and with SAO, you can see a lot in the data uh, where there's holes in visiting the website yeah. uh, and where you need to create content for that performs better to increase those campaigns and social media uh, as well. Uh, if you don't know uh, what content is performing well or not, uh, and if you can't enhance that with even your own data in uh, target audiences, then what the hell are you doing, Right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's right. But but do you also use uh, for storytelling data to see what kind of storytelling you should implement?
0: Mm, that's an interesting question. So uh, with data in storytelling, it's a little bit different because storytelling is telling a story. So yes, you could use data to analyze linguistics what works or. Uh, Joseph Campbell has come up with this theory of, of the hero journey where he analyzed with data of all kinds of myths, uh, uh, stories, uh, fairy tales over the years that are easily remembered. He he uh, used that data to come up with the hero journey as a blueprint for storytelling. Oh, wow, that's marketing. awesome. Yeah, so even then with content, it's Yeah, says.
1: wow, I should look into that.
0: And I, I think if you think about... Sports companies that use a lot of big data is like the big sports retailers like Nike with their, well, Nike Plus programs. But even then, it's a little bit outdated, right? <laughs> it's been it's been there for years. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's not the next big thing in sports anymore, simply because it's widely accepted today. Yeah,
1: and, and everybody should use it.
0: Exactly, and, and you will be a fool to post it, I think. So that brings us to a real trend, I think, and that is uh, in terms of privacy, GDPR and cookies. uh, Digital privacy is becoming more important every day. So there are two main driving factors, I think, towards user privacy. One is the consumer's experience. And two, there's governmental policies and uh, regulations that lead this change. So whether... Sports fans are interested in football, baseball, Olympics. They they follow their teams on foot and they are often willing to give their personal data in exchange for exclusive content, uh, merchandise, subscriptions, uh, and and I think as a result the industry like the sports industry is really high ranking uh, when it comes to the amount of personal data it uses and also is exchanged with third party vendors.
1: Yeah. And How that's going to change.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Tell us about it, Martin.
1: <laughs> well, uh, with all this new regulation, uh, targeting will become uh, more difficult because uh, it isn't allowed uh, in the future anymore to track people through third-party cookies. So platforms need to trust and use more their own data. And for social media, that is still possible because you all have uh, profiles eh, on a Facebook profile, your fa- uh, Facebook Pages uh, for companies, and there you can still use uh, the data and make a tracking. But uh, yeah, now Facebook uses a lot of third parties. eh? For example, uh, Facebook also uses data from WhatsApp. Well, in the future, that isn't allowed anymore. So uh, the options of tracking people will become smaller. And uh, when I think about it, there are two voices one on my left shoulder and one on my right. On one hand, as a a consumer, I think it's a good thing because Mm -hmm. uh, your privacy is now uh, so far behind uh, and the main goal is just business, business, business. So as a consumer, I would say this is a nice development. On the other hand, as a professional, as a marketeer, I would say, yeah, this this is going to be a thing because when we are not... um, when we can't track people like we, we do it now, then our budgets will need to raise or the results become lower because we can't follow people like we used to.
0: No, exactly. We have to replace all the touch points that we've been so used to for the past decades, I guess, to build uh, behavior uh, uh, and uh, interest from yeah other activities that, that our, our consumers have online we we probably have to go back to the basics i guess back
1: to the drawing board yeah just look at your at your customer journey and see what is technically possible because if we can still map how people or we believe people are going through the customer journey but now we have to to uh, check again if that's technically possible yeah. or find other ways to do so
0: yeah so you, you we have to be really heavily lenient on first party cookies again as we had to back in the days when you just had geographical, demographical data to determine roughly uh, your audience, but you won't have the third party insights into their interests anymore.
1: Yeah. And so, the last years, we were going through software that connects all the touch points from different channels. And then you could uh, send messages over channels. And that was awesome. Uh, on one hand but now we're going to uh, do it without it and we're, we're going back to more focused on one channel yeah. so you, you're going to plot the customer journey for one channel so you're uh, going kind of back strange from one
0: channel to single or linear channels yeah linear channels oh, and think? then you
1: have multiple yeah but
0: that, th- that, that's a yeah, like you said, the professional on your shoulder will will see that as a decrease of your targeting and uh, tracking and measurement options, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's also that the playing field for big and smaller companies uh, are also shifting. Where eh? now the big companies have an advantage because of their big budgets and and people they can hire. Uh, but now, in my opinion, it's going back a little bit that smaller business might have an advantage out of this, because they can easily tag along when this is happening, because they have smaller budgets and then they have the same chance of getting a nice story out there.
0: Yeah, because if if you have, like we talked about, your IT infrastructure and your data processing uh, fixed and and it's well organized and and being processed, then you have the same advantage as bigger companies would have. The, The only difference may be that bigger companies have more data but they will as well as the smaller... Everybody will lose like 80% of their data touch points or something.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. And and then it comes back to being creative and making content that's uh, that people really like.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I, I also think like because a lot of current publishers are able to monetize those that many touch points that we have. But then they wouldn't anymore. But there's also companies like Amazon Prime... That also bought, like, uh, dipped into the, the prime division rights. Uh, but they have, like, a, a walled structure where they have their own very well protected, but a huge amount of data available that they, and that's first party. So they can still use it. So yeah. I think also for uh, clubs and, and in the sports industry, it's important that they have strong partnership with these kind of parties because they have data still available without third-party cookies
1: yeah so they have an advantage out of this
0: yeah m- maybe those those like streaming servers like Netflix or Amazon Prime might have
1: getting even more power
0: Ooh, yeah that's scary right <laughs> <laughs> but like you said I, I think it's a, it's a it's a good uh, thing that we have to review older more contextual strategies in advertising so um I think there's a little bit of third-party data allowed when you place ads directly in front of people who match certain profiles, but then anonymized maybe. But if you use contextual advertisements, so you, you use on based on keywords on certain pages, you can still say, I want to place my advertisement on pages that uses the word sport, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. So going That's back the,
0: to the beginning.
1: <laughs> then you go back to the beginning, because now we can also see uh, the age of somebody, maybe gender, interests, and then you can a- adjust your ad, and that yeah. won't be the case anymore. No. So it's going to be more generic.
0: Yeah, more generic but maybe also more contextual if you know that a website has certain demographics. Yeah, you can't share that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, there you but go. But if you're selling sports apparel,
0: way. your your PPC ad could show up on sports oriented websites, but like you said, you wouldn't know what audience would see it.
1: Oh man. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's just exactly the point why we have to go back to the drawing board.
0: Yeah. And go yeah. back
1: to our customer journey and how it, it can be done because now we think oh, okay but we have the data and then we can use it but we're that, so spoiled, that be we're the so case.
0: spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if you're a small company you can make your brand i think a little bit uh, as safe as possible f- also from future governance uh, policies or in this case uh, google's monopoly uh, related monopoly related policies um without all the cookies and targeted ads if you make yourself less vulnerable also to technology. So you have things set up into place that are not as heavy lenient on these policy policy changes, I guess. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it, it's it's hard eh, to make stuff go viral, to make content that's viral. We also have some clients sometimes who say, yeah, make something that goes viral for us. Oh,
0: yeah, I got that question so often. And,
1: uh, yeah. yeah, we're so lucky that we know the golden rules. No, <laughs> we don't. So that that's not possible, but... When you get creative and you try to make content that people share with each other, that still is very nice, but hard to achieve.
0: Yeah. So intrinsic has values that are shareable for the brand. So we talked about cookies and uh, losing control over targeting and, and, and over our audience probably. Uh, it's interesting that there might be big possibilities in the future with uh, over-the-top media service with over-the-top content, right? Dun,
1: dun, dun. Yeah, there is, because that's a great opportunity to target people again, where we're going to lose some options. Where we're going to lose some options, there might be new alternatives, like over-the-top content where you can reach out uh, people. So, for example, when you're watching a live stream or we are watching a live stream, then you can see another ad than I, uh, and that's that's based on targeting, so that would be very interesting for sports. Once you have a lot of sports uh, streaming these days, uh, and then you can still target your focus group.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and for the people who don't know, over the top content that is basically a media service that offers uh, directly to viewers via the internet. So it bypasses cable, traditional broadcasting, uh, satellite, and TV platforms. Um, and the type of companies, companies sorry, that traditionally act as the controllers and distributors of these kind of content, and whereas these over-the-top content, and Netflix is an example like we already talked about, Amazon Prime, uh, yeah, they, they control the content and now maybe even the ads as a consequence of that.
1: Yeah, and they have also a lot of data uh, about their users, so what kind of movies you like, And they know uh, what your age is because you fill it in when you sign up. So they also have data that's very interesting to uh, target right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I think in turn it creates new revenue streams uh, apart from maybe just uh, uh, PPC ads that these OTTs can monetize with both opportunities on the sponsorship side as well uh, and on the media rights distribution side, of course. and we already talked about Amazon Prime dipping into the, uh, the Premier League broadcasting and, and they claimed that millions of people tuned in. And you also see a shift with uh, traditional TV broadcasting that almost 3 billion people watch, but with online 2.7. So we're getting close to the shift, especially with some age groups, I think. You, you can even maybe reach your age group or the younger people better with these uh, OTTs than with traditional broadcasting.
1: Yeah, that's great. And then when you think about Amazon and all the companies it has, it's very interesting when you're selling sports gear or sports stuff that people are watching a game and then you can send them an ad that is about, for example, if you're watching a football product, you connect it through Amazon if your business is there. Then It's still first-party data, eh? coming back to the last point, but then with this OTTs, it's very interesting to use it for your uh, brand.
0: Yeah, you're you're basically creating a bigger advertisement pool only on a different level because you're focused on first-party cookies within the same company.
1: Yeah, and it's very usable for companies eh, because it's all in the same platform. Yeah. You don't have to make uh, uh, all kinds of connections and uh, uh, difficult things. So that's that's an advantage of these uh, OTTs. Yeah.
0: And they say the, the age group that will be targeted, like the between 80 and 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 35, for example, is more perceptive to these kind of ads as well.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's I can like imagine. a double
0: win win in that sense.
1: They're so familiar with online and how it works. Exactly. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. So I, I think also advertising budgets will no longer be just allocated to traditional TV and move to hopefully digital investing media maybe yeah. it's already happening there's more and more being invested in social media for example and i think on the longer term this also affect the broadcasting companies like sky uh, that ask for premium fees for all the streaming whereas there's even a lot of free available so or with amazon prime for a much uh, more cost-effective price
1: <laughs> yeah so you mean like for ss consumers it's going to be cheaper
0: yeah, I, I believe so. Like if you want to have a Ziggo Sports in the Netherlands or a Sky uh, uh, Across the Borders, uh, those ad- demand premium fees, but an Amazon Prime is not only three euros a month.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so our Netflix is going to be free in the future.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There still has to be a revenue model, but I, I, I know by, by, by heart that in the Netherlands there's a Dutch website. It's called Icons, uh, so, that's a, a Dutch OTT service that is is a free video platform. So, you can watch the live games of top sport clubs or smaller sports clubs. So, not the Premier Leagues, but the sports and the more broader, smaller clubs. And it's completely free because either the clubs record the, the, the live uh, games or fans record it and they can upload it to the club's channel. Oh, wow. So, it's completely free and it's like a true online ecosystem of how... Fans and clubs come together and engage on an OTT.
1: That's awesome, and then we watch uh, John from the corner uh, starring on a Saturday match.
0: Exactly, and they even have like these one-minute interviews. But it's nice to watch. Nice no, they have.
1: Wow, and then John also has his uh, eleven seconds of fame.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they even have like I saw the the background was like like it looked like a professional uh, football interview. Oh, wow, with the sponsor logos. Yeah, thing? definitely. Yeah.
1: Oh,
0: and and also a good example is the the that was this year is from UEFA from the World Championship uh, sorry European Championships now uh, they have the UEFA TV that's like a streaming service that offer like highlights and clips from uh, the games and exclusive interviews exclusive content but, yeah exclusive oh. content but not yet the full games though because th- they of obviously on media rights uh Earn a lot of money. They sold them already. <laughs> exactly. So because th- these broadcast rights are given, but uh yeah, they offer an, an additional experience via OTT.
1: So maybe a kind of behind the scenes and interviews, exclusive interviews. With yeah,
0: exactly. And even quizzes.
1: <laughs> How many old people are working at FIFA <laughs> or
0: UEFA? <laughs> Coming back to that, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I think there's a migration, like you said, over of younger viewers from over the air to OTT. So yeah, you need younger people to create those opportunities in advertising yeah. opportunities. I, I sorry.
1: would like it when companies like this make a little bit of fun of, of themselves. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're already moving away from traditional uh, models in advertising that we have become uh, accustomed to It's also interesting that technological developments in artificial intelligence or uh, machine learning will maybe further even enrich certain kinds of data.
1: Yeah, for sure. That will make our lives easier and help us more. And also here for small businesses, it will be coming much easier to work with big data and analyze it and process it. But. Yeah, I always wondering why is when is it coming and eh? when are we going to use this stuff? Because for me, it feels uh, far.
0: Yeah, but it's it's yeah. already if if you look at Under Armour, mm-hmm. uh, the, the sports retail brand, yeah, with the uh, nice shirts, with the nice shirts, exactly. They're already increasing uh, the use of AI in in the sports industry by using machine learning to enhance the fitness data that they collect with their well, wearables to offer a more personalized experience for the people using it. So they have like real-time information that with machine learning, which is a form of AI, I mean, we always think about iRobot, right? With AI, you think of artificial intelligence in the philosophical way. Uh, We talked about this before, uh, about the machines dominating humans, but in practicality, it's more about uh, applying an algorithm and mathematics to your data to get more insight of it and more automation perhaps even.
1: Yeah, so for Under Armour, how does it work? Because they collect the data from the wearables. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, I'm on, on the bike and I'm a beginner. Mm-hmm. So then I can I see a shirt that is good for beginners and, and with somebody else who is a pro, they collect data and they say, oh, but this guy needs a pro shirt. Is, is, that, is that how it works?
0: Um. No, they they often use it in a sense to even uh, uh, increase the performance of athletes. For the shirt example that you give, they they had developed, not Under Armour, but another company has developed t-shirts where there was tracking or or, uh, data being collected about the performance of athletes. So a beginner would have a a different data set than an expert and they could compare that and then adapt their training programs onto that.
1: Okay, and, but how do they uh, use it in marketing ways?
0: In marketing ways, you have these data sets, consequently, that you can use also for consumers that will start uh, the same training program. Uh, imagine you uh, getting a message from uh, your Nike app that your favorite uh, sporter uh, is really similar to you and you can use their training schedule.
1: Oh, Wow. That's awesome. And then you connect.
0: Yeah. And then you connect on the brand level. Yeah. But you have a personalized or the feeling of a personalized experience, I believe.
1: Wow. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think it's leveraging artificial intelligence and, and machine learning to, yeah, also offer a cutting edge experience.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great.
0: If you look at a lot of historical data as well, right, with with machine learning, you can look into historical data. For example, if we go back to the Nike Plus again, <laughs> because it's such a big database, uh, you, you have human input to, to determine what you want to learn out of it or well, what your problem is that you want to use that data with. And um, yeah, you, you can use that historical data to gain insights for future concepts or uh, campaigns even if you if you want to say that to determine, yeah, what has have people done before with this data.
1: Yeah, so uh, AI is about making an algorithm that can understand cases itself and then gives you the outcome.
0: Yeah. We both watch Jim Stoltze, this Dutch uh, tech entrepreneur, uh, and he uh, he says that a lot of companies are data-rich, so they have a lot of data, but information-poor. So I think that's a, that's a good sum-up of... Uh, uh, how artif- artificial intelligence is not, u- not yet used as you would want to.
1: Yeah, so it's also part of big data and how to uh, make use out of it. But uh, the the main difference between uh, big data and processing it in a normal way and artificial intelligence is that artificial intelligence can learn from how it's acting and how it's processing, right? That's that's the big difference and why artificial yeah. intelligence is way more interesting even than just normal processing
0: yeah indeed uh, yeah you're right it's, it's it's discovering pattern patterns in data by itself yeah yeah, yeah and that's
1: awesome cool. and it can improve itself
0: yeah yeah and you can maybe even get more yeah, with with sports marketing uh, you can get more predictive with historical data
1: yeah predictive analysis
0: exactly yeah So we're gonna hop on to the next trend in sports marketing. Um, I think that's also a really well known one by now. Virtual reality, technology that enables companies and organizations to uh, put people in other locations or situations uh, whilst they're not there. So uh, you see it being a lot used with uh, athletes um, in situations that they're really anxious, for example, in arenas, that they can get used to it, um, or either to watch back all the games to see mistakes that you made or even from competitors. Um But I think it also gives another dimension to sports fans, perhaps.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because uh, as a brand, you can uh, get your fans uh, out there and being uh, next to uh, uh, your favorite runner uh, on the track, for example, and see how you perform against him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so being on the treadmill uh, with your VR glasses on. Yeah. With, With who, you said? Usain Bolt? You would go with Usain Ball. <laughs> you have to <laughs> run really, very really, really fast. <laughs>
1: I'm so fast.
0: Yeah, I, I think you can also maybe watch performances on the next level. I saw they had like next VR doing an NBA game with VR technology. So you could really rewatch watch uh, the entire game but from a VR perspective. So
1: from all different kinds yeah. of Yeah.
0: So you could watch it on, on YouTube and then go through all yeah, dimensions.
1: Wow, that's It's
0: also awesome. insane. Yeah, so I, I think you can also give fans a totally new experience to watch watch actual sports events uh, in a way that so far maybe was only reserved to video games.
1: Yeah, and then you can make a campaign out of it where you put out your vision or you see, we like to look at it this way and then you give that perspective to your customers.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a totally new brand dimension for that. And you can even with sponsorships, you can... If you have like virtual uh, racing, you can put like the sponsors still in the, ga- in, in the game, in the experience, right? Yeah. And like you said, entire story maybe that uh, enhances the the experience, like that like you're totally immersed into it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's nice that all these trends we're talking about all connect to each other. Eh? But yeah. You can use it. For example, gamification is also what we're talking about now when you have virtual reality and you're using gamification to to, to let your audience see things from a different perspective or make a game where they can, yeah, for example, run against somebody else, but also where they can uh, earn stuff. Eh? So you know the SEPS model, S-A-P-S, mm-hmm. it's about status, access, power and stuff. And if you can give that to your uh, potential buyers, to your fan base, then they will love you forever.
0: Yeah, and because of the repetition in games, your, your brand is more remembered perhaps even. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think not only just VR, but maybe also AR. Yeah. Augmented reality. You can also give power with that, right? With augmented re- reality, you can also like apply real-time digital elements such as graphics, text, or uh, audio even to real-world objects. Think like Pokemon Go, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, amazing.
0: Yeah, and and I I believe even it was like the Washington Capitals, they had like this AR game. It's called Tilt the Ice. So you you had the the, the fans that bought like a Bud Bud Light, like a Budweiser. Um, they had like these coasters at the bar that you could scan, and then you like a a three D interactive goalkeeper would appear on the on the coaster, and then if you tilt the coaster, you can decide where the yeah. How, how the um, goalkeeper would play.
1: <laughs> wow. So it was
0: like scan and play.
1: Wow, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you see that a lot happening also with Pepsi, uh, with another uh, uh, a sports brand using that uh, to give an, another augmented reality experience in real life.
1: Yeah. And then it's all about connecting your story, right? And use this kind of elements AR, VR.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think both VR and AR empower sports marketers to kind of bridge the gap between experience and action, maybe. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's it's an emerging trend is not being used that much. But if you look at tilty eyes, it's like this really fun gamification, like you said.
1: Yeah. And it's it's pretty soon so awesome that people will share it and and talk to each other about it and that's because it's new yeah because it's new it's a new way and it's and the experience is is uh great so people will share it
0: yeah i think that's yeah the the growing number also of people playing and with gaming uh yeah it's an ideal place to to reach their uh, your audience through their preferred channel as well yeah yeah I think you already stumbled upon the next trend that is gamification, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so gamification is often used as a way of combining even ads with an interactive game like Tilt the Ice um, by incorporating gaming elements in a non-gaming context such as a pub. So you provide this immersive, um, engaging, and fun experience uh, that with your brand that helps customers really remember uh, your brand, hopefully. Uh, and I think this is the biggest advantage of game of, gamified of campaigns.
1: Yeah, it's a great way to connect with your audience and, and that they remember you and they also uh, uh, share and tell their friends about it.
0: Yeah, so the shareability level is really high.
1: Yeah, and that's something you should really use.
0: So you can really also monetize your brand because there's prizes or rewards that people want to... Uh, gather points for.
1: Yeah, and then you tell the friends, like, uh, oh, I have this status in uh, Game XI.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's also like social proof in that sense connected to that. So it really helps improve user engagement, uh, brand awareness, and loyalty. And you can gather, of course, customer data, right? You can ask them if you want to play, you have to download something or fill in the form. Yeah. So there's a first party uh, hook back yeah, there. You can
1: make a profile.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then you can increase conversions. Yeah. Probably in sports marketing as well.
1: And show them individual ads.
0: Yeah, because you you your individual ads uh, can have more uh, interesting promotions in it, and you can also educate your your consumers with certain products or services and.
1: Yeah, and and the more people uh, play your game and use it longer, uh, the more high high value products you can offer them.
0: Exactly. Yeah, true that. I think an excellent example of gamification is the concept that uh, Amazon did with the NFL. It's like two year, a two-year deal where they use Twitch. And Twitch is like increasing massively in popularity. Um, it's the Thursday night football live streams. So they can test new gamification features um, to alter the way that people also are actually watch live sporting events. So fans can make quarterly predictions about various games. Uh, through their Twitch account, so they use social media to to, game of, to gamify how would you say that uh, the 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 events, and so the fans are rewarded with points and ranked against each other uh, on a live leaderboard, just like you said that 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 increases the engagement and sharing it with each other. So by creating this like fantasy football game, uh, um, these sport fans become highly engaged with brands even and. Um, uh, and even maybe uh, merchandise.
1: Wow, that's a great example of uh, gamify gamification.
0: Yeah. And and that comes to Twitch, where well, we tap onto Twitch, and that's the next topic maybe, and the new trend that we want to highlight, and, and that is...
1: Esports. Nice. Wow, it's such a big platform that gives uh, sport brands so much possibilities to reach out to more people, eh? because you have people that play sports outdoor but uh, there's so many people playing games uh, FIFA and all kinds of stuff and for you sport marketers it's very interesting to also reach those people
0: yeah because it keeps growing and, and especially in an age group where it's harder to reach via traditional channels or even a, a, a big part of the online channels if you if you if you look at the social media being used we often say our, our parents are now on Facebook. Uh, how are you going to reach the youngsters then?
1: Yeah, for sure. And if you look at esports, uh, uh, people are are sitting behind their uh, Nintendos and stuff, but they always use sportwear, right?
0: That, that's for sure, yeah. And there's even uh, brands stepping into that, right? Yeah. There's even clubs stepping into that. So I, I think digital marketing and esports and, and gaming is maybe a little bit new and there's only at this moment a few like bold and... Uh, Clubs and retailers are dare to step into that, but if if you if you step into it, uh, yeah, you can really boost your entire brand awareness and maybe even e-commerce and, and monetize it.
1: Yeah, it amazes me how many money there is going around in this business, and the people yeah. that win a FIFA tournament can make uh, like uh, a million or something. That's crazy, right?
0: Yeah, and 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 that that's FIFA in the sense of a sports game within the esports. But even if it's not a sports game like League of Legends, then the the prices uh, are over that reward, and the viewers are more than two hundred million for just a world championship.
1: Wow, two hundred. Okay, I need yeah, to start gaming awards.
0: more. Yeah, and you see like sponsors such as like. Uh, coca-cola red bull like the 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 big ones and mcdonald's they they already have joined that industry on twitch they're already out there they're already out there and even the dutch psv like the football uh, club and uh the paris saint-germain they uh, they have not stayed behind they have actual esport teams oh wow so there's this uh belgian esporter that wears the psv shirt and plays for psv but digital in esports in (laughs) fifa
1: oh that's amazing
0: and there, there's millions of fans watching that and via services, uh, social media services like Twitch. And, and it even has reached the popularity so far up that the Olympics want to incorporate esports for the 2024 games. Wow. So from 2024 onwards, they will incorporate it as into the curriculum, uh, preferably the sport games and not the shooting, of course. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's insane how it's increased. In popularity.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: And did you know like that there's often discussion about is it is esports a real sport, right? Because it has no physical opponent. But if you watch uh, uh, an esporter use their keyboard, (laughs) you ever see that?
1: No. There's this
0: Korean guy and his fingers were literally like out of space, like (laughs) so fast. And and even um there was a research done by Cassandra uh, in the US that 74% of the youth see esports as an actual sport.
1: Wow. And but if you
0: it, look at the definition of sports, like what it entails, it ha- needs to have rules, it needs to have uh, a, a physical opponent to it, but uh, as a reward and teams could compete. And you have and to train. You have to train. There's The, the teams of esports seriously have like, physicians and physical therapists and uh, psychologists in their teams because it's professionalizing that.
1: And they even need to train more, like uh, 12 hours a day or something.
0: <laughs> that Wow, 12 hours a day?
1: Yeah, some guys do.
0: Holy crap.
1: You can't just uh, move your fingers that fast. You need to train and train and train.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there is actual physical components to it. But it's also, okay, well, back to digital marketing, then there's also a bias market in there as well, right?
1: Yeah, so here's the same... Um, With uh, OTTs, uh, for example, on Twitch, you can get uh, advertisement out there for a target group. Exactly. So so it's not bulk advertising, but you can uh, target it on specific uh, segments again.
0: Yeah, so you have advances in digital ad placement again.
1: Yeah, for sure. And when you see like these billboards uh, uh, on the field uh, with uh, normal uh, football matches, there are also this kind of possibilities for uh, eSports. That sure. you can see um, advertising from, for example, a digital arena, and then you can make it personal again. So not everybody has to see the same ads. That's uh, great opportunities.
0: That's really interesting, indeed, and 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 maybe even create like uh, digital sponsorships as well and partnerships and yeah, for sure, co-branding, like you said, with the with the digital uh, stadium. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But then, uh, in real football, uh, one company uh, normally uh, uses advertisement on the ball, for example. But in mm-hmm. uh, esports, uh, every company can advertise on the ball, but uh, only one of the people will see it. So you can, on a micro level, bid on being the advertising party on 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 the ball of the match.
0: That's a nice analogy. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, you can really focus on that specific niche, that specific target audience. And I think also brands should really focus on a seamless integration with gaming. A lot of brands want to tap into it because it's switched, because it's new, and they use the traditional techniques from online marketing or how they would present it, but not apply it to the type of platform and audience that they would have um, in that sense. So they really need to listen more i think to what the actual gamers and gaming fans also want
1: what is a platform to uh, get this to work
0: so yeah if you're a new company and you want to tap into this i think the main thing to tap, to listen to your audience is get into the conversation in the chats talk uh, because that's what Twitch is all about—it the, the high level of engagement. That's why it's also such a popular channel. Uh, so I think if you're brand new, first you have to do is field research, but then digitally, uh, we get back to the data and 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 but also getting into the conversation and then uh, see what there's mean where there's talk and what about and uh, then you can maybe adapt more to that.
1: Mingle with the crowd.
0: Mingle with the crowd. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> digitally. Yeah. So if we're talking about selling, that also comes to the next trend, namely in digital marketing also, within a digital world, wearables.
1: Wearables, yeah. That's uh, a lot of new opportunities happening there.
0: Yeah, we already pointed out with the example of uh, uh, Under Armour or uh, the Nike uh, shoes. So we're talking about smartwatches, uh smart clothing we talked about the shirts that we just yeah uh, all kind of
1: sensors in clothing
0: exactly so there's a whole range of probably other wearable devices that uh, can help you monitor and work with data
1: yeah collect more data and then you can use that data to get specific information out there to the people that uh, that you are that you segmented yeah so then it's not only about their online behavior but also Uh, actually the physical behavior and and that's something i i believe is very good eh? for example if you look at children that are in home uh, a lot playing games and stuff but with wearables it might be fun to get them more outside and then you can use that data to to even sell them stuff that uh, gives them opportunity to be even more outside and sport and play and
0: yeah, exactly. I, I don't think we're allowed to sell kids stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to sell their parents who bought the wearables. <laughs> we're going to sell them stuff. Yeah, no, yeah in, good one. Indeed. Yeah, but that's a good thing. I, it, it not only has, uh, 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 has in, in terms of sport marketing, just an e-commerce aspect, it has uh, a brand awareness in terms of behavioral change. And also companies could tap into that fact that they uh, have a,
1: Responsibility,
0: yeah, social responsibility, yeah, to,
1: to get people to move and stay fit,
0: yeah. So not just McDonald's sponsoring the Olympics, but <laughs> using wearables to uh, move people, uh, children, like you said, an example, yeah, uh, to get a positive brand perception as well. And maybe
1: we can put in gamification then as well. Uh, McDonald's, you're already welcome for this. But then, the, then when the kids wear, have their wearables, they can climb into the playground uh, that is located near every McDonald's and then they get some points for free salads.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thought like a true online marketer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I think we'll, we already used this example, but the Nike running uh, app, like the, the Nike Plus sensors for running, they had those in the shoes. Uh, back in the day or still have them and they developed that together with apple uh, in the beginning and uh, as a consequence in terms of behavioral change they got more than seven million people running wow so well imagine if you do that it, exactly like you said with children so it, it, it's it's a growing number in moving people with variables yeah and,
1: that's great Also, like government and uh, health insurance businesses, they are really looking into how to get people uh, healthier, fitter. So maybe there's also some kind of combination for sport brands to get along with them because actually you have like uh, the same goal to get people moving and then they need good uh, gear and outfits and stuff. Um, But if people will... Uh, stay at home more and more, then eventually the market will collapse and you'll have esports. But
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> maybe it's good. Maybe to-
0: you also have wearables with esports. I mean, if you move your wrist a lot, then yes. your 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 smartwatch yeah. will definitely say the, the the amount of steps between brackets you have taken, or
1: your ha- heartbeat when your you heartbeat. Uh, digitally miss.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely true. Definitely true. And I think also it can be used with within sports clubs and organizations these wearables to collect data again about their uh, performance right of athletes
1: yeah and,
0: and in turn capitalize that data or monetize it for marketing yep yeah. right? especially to yeah
1: so then you compare your own performance with a great top athlete
0: exactly yeah yeah i th- i think that might be interesting right if you could say i'm as fast as
1: yeah, yeah. or it will be very disappointing <laughs>
0: true it can also demotivate yeah but uh, I, I think the popularity of wearables is increasing because you even see that with, well, a recent survey said that uh, the sales of wearable products will reach uh, 95 million by 2021. Whoa. So we're now in 2021. So uh, by the end of the year, 100 million maybe?
1: That's a big business. Now we're getting to the dark side.
0: Yes, <laughs> Martha. As a big fan of Star Wars, I'm really happy with the last trend that we're going to discuss today, dark social. So if we look at his expert, it's called Daniel uh, McAuley. He, uh, he provided uh, uh, yeah, many thought-provoking faces uh, uh, with his podcast when uh, most of, the list of his listeners had not yet dealt with this phenomenon, uh, dark social, and he says it refers to all the website traffic that cannot be accurately attributed. So he explains that over 80% of global traffic comes from dark social.
1: That's a lot.
0: Yeah, and, and what is dark social? And it's like traffic that occurs when users send each other links via WhatsApp, Instagram, or email that you cannot track. Email also? Yeah. Oh. If 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 people don't use it, UTM tracking or... Ah,
1: uh, if you don't set up your email campaign right, and it's becoming dark traffic. Yeah,
0: or just personalized email, right? Yeah. Personal email, not uh, commercial Yeah, email. when
1: I sent you an informal email, right, with a link, yeah. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. What what people share over WhatsApp is uh, it's a lot. It's amazing, and uh, you get also the nice uh, image and and uh, and the text, the yeah, description. The yeah. yeah, true. Yeah, and it's also something to tap into as a, as a brand. Huh? We discussed earlier how important it is when uh, your content is shareable and people send it to each other. That's that's. Mainly, I guess, uh, where this dark traffic is coming from.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think you really need to have a big understanding of this phenomenon to tap into that really well. I, I believe um, Adidas did that with their Tango squads, they, yeah. this campaign. Yeah, they so they selected these kind of influencers and they provided them with exclusive products and, and invites to events via dark Show Show. So... Yeah, it only the the entire traffic took place via messenger uh, and uh, uh, close social groups, I believe. So there was no tracking. So if they would have to go to a website or whatever, they yeah, you're standing in front of a door and you don't know where they ca- came from. <laughs> in, in that sense, it, it's really interesting that they on in a nice level and in a really engaging level tapped into that with influencers.
1: Yeah, so on one end we can say it's. Um difficult to use this because you cannot track it and eh? you can't mm-hmm. see performance uh, like we're used to with other channels but because of the good results it is very interesting to use it
0: yeah so you only see the end results so you don't know where they came from uh, how they came at your door but they are still all at your door
1: yeah and the engagements uh, figures are so high that it doesn't matter where they come from because (laughs) it's so interesting.
0: So we don't care anymore. We we don't have third-party cookies. No, just put the
1: door open. Come on in.
0: (laughs) So dark traffic is something that sports marketers really could amplify for their strategy without even that many costs perhaps, uh, but just make good quality shareable content.
1: Yeah, and maybe put in some influencers like Adidas did.
0: Yeah, and maybe not even like big influencers, maybe even micro-influencers just to create this community. And think because of that fact or even use your fans or your like your ambassadors to create content for them that they can easily share so even smart clubs and organizations might have a chance in this field uh, compared to advertising with the big Facebook.
1: Yeah and think again about the SAPS model because if you make people that share the content uh, get more status or get more stuff or something, then they will be willing to share.
0: So those were the trends for uh, today in this podcast about digital trends and the future, uh, especially in the sports industry. Thank you, Martin, for your wonderful insights and uh, vast experience in this in these topics.
1: It was an honor talking to you.
0: Thank you. We'll close off with uh, some other sport marketing podcast tips. So, are you looking for some? other interesting podcasts in sports. Uh, we end today with five uh, amazing sport podcasts to tip you off. And especially if you're developing a sports career, wait for the last tip. So the first one is Sports Pro Podcast for insights and analysis on the matters of the moment in the global sports industry. Or you could uh, listen to Sports Marketing Huddle uh, for a podcast that takes a look at all things marketing in the world of sports. But Bloomberg also has the Bloomberg Business of Sports, where you can literally follow the money in the world of sports. So they take listeners inside decisions that power the multi-billion dollar industry. So from media and technology to finance and real estate, you see the money behind the final score in that sense. Then you have Sports Geek. Well, that brings you the best practices from the sports business and sport digital marketing world each week. So that may be really interesting if you want to know More about technology and digital. uh, uh, And it also takes a strong focus uh, as they look how sport teams can better connect with fans and deliver results for sponsors. So that's more on fan engagement. And then the last one is Living Sports Podcast. It's all about helping you find a career in the sports industry. So geared toward college students and recent graduates, uh, they're combining education with entertainment to provide you uh, with a look into the sports industry. So that's to round up today's uh, podcast. This podcast is recorded and produced by The Boy Productions, telling stories with sound. So check out the website, theboyproductions.com, for your podcast opportunities to reach and maintain your audience in an immersive way. Thanks for listening and see you on the next DigiJazz podcast.